0: Culture Club time and we're delighted to have our very own Ed Smith with us tonight because Ed has produced a new podcast, it's called Recorded History and he's had some fantastic guests so far. Shanae Twain, Hosier, Siobhan McSweeney
1: from Derry's Girl and who else? Well we've had Paul Noonan, our own Pamela Joyce as we're all called if you work here, our own. Uh, I was. That's was, why we called you our yeah, own. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. part of the contract. Yeah. Uh, so we've had, like, I was Una Healy last week. I'm actually, this evening, talking to the legendary Don Waz, who was head of Blue Note Records and who has worked with some of the greatest artists of all time. So, and it's it
0: a own music conversation. I like this culture
1: club which goes into music and books and TV and movies and things. Well, do you know what it is? What I've found, it's essentially three Trojan horses that the albums are, that kind of you get at their lives through the music choices that they have chosen. And what I've discovered, actually... Is when you ask people the question. I will be asking you this question when you do come on the podcast. If we can organize, you've never asked me. Well, the thing is, we're just asking me now. We're talking to your agent. (laughs) It's all into a barter account. I, I don't have a anyway. I don't have a Renault to. But I I don't drive. Some people. Some people. (laughs) There we go. You're you're fit for RT. So I find that it causes either complete glee or panic in people when you ask them this question. I won't name them but uh, in one particular guest who's on the way on a very well-known uh, comedian called Neil Delamere who's it was like getting blooded out of a turnip trying to get his three songs he just couldn't and wouldn't suggest he just kind of went into kind of freeze mode but then other artists like Sigrid who I spoke to sent me a list of 15 or 20 so it's a really great way I think and a very kind of I think organic way to hear about a person's life you kind of ask them questions that maybe they're not used to being asked and it's a it's been I have to say, one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had working in the business. Man. Ed, it sounds like a version of the Culture Club because that's what we do with people as well, which uh, we're just about to do with you. Oh, look, you know, uh, I would say it is very similar in the same vein, but you could also say it's similar to, I suppose, Desert Island Discs, yes. which has been around for 60 years. Man, that's so. true.
0: Okay, tell me, first oh. single you ever bought that you will admit to or you can remember?
1: Well, uh, not so much a single, but it was definitely the first album I bought. So straight to albums, isn't Yeah, you? so because I don't remember actually having a single. My very first single actually was a couple of years later was Lithium by Nirvana because Lithium was the first single released by the band that featured all the lyrics to Nevermind. And so we hadn't heard them or read them up until that point. But it was R.E.M., it was 1991, and I recall it very vividly. We'd go to Cork. I live or grew up near Mill Street, not far from where... Where
0: from my wife is from.
1: Your wife, yes. So about five or six miles from Mill Street. I only say Mill Street because where I'm actually from... Would confuse people even more. So I just throw out Mill Street because it's the nearest. So that's where I went to school. But anyway, my father drove up to Cork. He handed me over a tenor, an old tenor. And he was, Go on, I know you want to. So I jumped out of the car, ran up North Main Street. Uh, Past the wash and then all the way up to Patrick Street. And I think it was Golden Discs then, or HMV or Virgin. Someone would correct us on that. Well, Golden
0: Discs would have been down by Patrick's Bridge. Yeah. HMV was at the other
1: end. So it was HMV. So it was HMV up towards where now is McDonald's. Yes. Yes. That's HMV. Yeah. The Mary Rose Cafe and all that. Yeah, that side of things. So scarpered in, picked up REMs out of time on cassette because I'd been listening addictively to Losing My Religion which actually changed my life really listening and hearing that song for the first time it was just like right finally let's hear a little bit of it To this day, I get emotional. I have a lump in yeah, my throat So now. why
0: was that a eureka moment, and in what way?
1: Well, it was My first album, I think it was my first breakaway, my first, I suppose, how would I say this? Up until that point, as is the case with so many children, you'd be surrounded by the music of your parents. I grew up in a pub, so there'd be music every weekend, or you'd have to listen to what your father would have in the car, Sunday Sport specifically. <laughs> so it was everyone else's choice was kind of almost inflicted upon me. And now, to this day... I'm grateful for that because it's opened my my ears and heart to so much more. But that was the first, I suppose, foray into what would become my own taste in music.
0: Well, as it happens, we do a few things in music and you gave every answer on your initial run of this as R.E.M. Yeah. So you're going to have to give other answers as well. Now, I have to say, you did initially want to go with your favourite album as Green by R.E.M., which I would argue is their
1: best it album. It is, yeah. yeah. It's the first one they recorded for Warner Music. It was the first, was the seven, you know, it the sixth album and I think it was the album that's one of those bridging albums between their IRS years, their kind of very experimental avant-garde sound that was leading up to Automatic for the People. It is an absolute masterpiece, Is green. But again, I was very conscious of not putting R.E.M. for every single answer here. No, so we told you not yes, to because you yes. did originally. So, so I've so. gone with the Sopranos, Matt. No, I haven't. No, I know <laughs> that's another one that you, <laughs> that you hold the crucifix up for. No, I have gone for an album this week. My favourite album is one that I just go to after I've had a couple of gins by myself in the house of an evening, or a bottle of wine, or I've come home and I put my feet up. It is the soundtrack to the film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? This is the
0: Coen Brothers film, Brothers which George from, Clooney's in, isn't That's it?
1: right, yeah, from the year 2000. One of the cases where the soundtrack for the film has lived much longer in my ears and in my heart than the film itself, which is very good. And the movie's good. It is good. It is. But I just think what T-Bone Burnett was charged to do with... here. All these songs were recordings of previous kind of bluegrass, hillbilly classics, uh, staples of the time, all re-recorded. So the soundtrack was actually done before the film was shot. And what he's done here is collect, I think, or curated, for the want of a better word, uh, an absolutely life-changing for me collection of bluegrass and folk music that opened me w- wide open... It changed my, I suppose, my perspective on country music, on bluegrass, which at that time I would have turned my back on a little bit. There would have been a lot of country right, when I grew up, you know, in the house. Pascal Mooney, if you remember Pascal's yeah. show, uh, and I 10 guess ten o'clock on a Saturday that's morning. Right. No, it would, then there was he would have a show in the was, evenings on Radio right. One, and it was country and Irish, and that would have been what I would have been surrounded by and even when I listen to that kind of music I hear, and hear my mother ironing and the smell of the ironing and Pascal Mooney's voice and the likes of Johnny McAvoy Paddy O'Reilly Susan McCann so I No kinda, wonder
0: you rebelled and went to R.E.M. So R. I <laughs> was like okay now and when I heard
1: R.E.M. <laughs> and then and then not long after that when I heard Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit I was like okay I'm out uh, so but then after It's true the years you back passed, in It's it just so and it's truly to this day it is my go-to uh, record when I'm home alone and I can put it on and there's so many beautiful songs on this. Alison Krauss is on this, whom I'm f- a huge fan of. Down and to the particularly River to her
0: work with Robert Plant. It's just, just magnificent. Yeah, she's truly
1: one of the great artists. And you know, it's one after the other. You know, uh,
0: well, actually, let's hear one of the tracks. This is "Down to the River to Break. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh.
2: shall wear the
1: crown. The wonderful Alison Cross. Oh. You had your eyes closed, Matt. You had your eyes closed, isn't it? Just absolutely magnificent. And Lou Harris is on this, Gillian Welsh. Another beautiful song on the album, Don't Leave Nobody But The Baby. But for anyone who hasn't heard the soundtrack to Oh Brother, Art Thou? Again, I've got tears in my eyes listening to it because it does remind, remind me of those times with my mother listening to country music back in the day.
0: Not surprisingly, R.E.M. is your favourite band, <laughs> but your favourite artist, I think, is a logical progression yeah. from all of you've just talked about. Because you know, I, you're nominating Dolly Parton.
1: Dolly Parton, to my mind, is up there in the Mount Rushmore of greatest singer-songwriters, performers, artists, uh, actresses, comedians, whatever you want of all time. You know, I think, again, underappreciated by and my philanthropist soul. as well. Philanthropist, yeah. She's genuinely a decent, kind, good soul. And the way she has managed... I suppose, her very singularly incredible talent. She's one of the greatest singers of all time. And if you look at her history, and her background, obviously, growing up uh, in the in the pure poverty that she did, and uh, meeting up with a guy called Porter Wagner, and teaming up with him on his TV show, The manner in Which He Treated Her, how she quite quickly and rightly outshone him. And their relationship is, again, open to a lot of conjecture. And then when she finally broke free that from him and under his very controlling grasp. Her talent was just too good, too big, too beautiful to be held by specifically that particular man. And then as a goodbye gift, she walked in and she handed over a recording of I Will Always Love You. And that was her way of saying, look, we've had a a good run, Porter, but now's my time and what a time she's had. I just think if you look at the interviews with her, it's just, you know... uh, the kindness, the sweetness, the smarts of the woman, the, man- the manner in which she's managed her career has never been bettered, I think. And in, if you also think about the fact that she wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You on the same day, the songs were just coming out of her in such a, what? I was going to say, at me no, sorry, no,
0: sorry. that's just a mannerism <laughs> <It's> I have. <laughs> sorry.
1: I'm just so used to the, the committee yesterday, uh, I'm going to turn around now to my agent. No, I'm not. Uh, uh,
0: if you had said, I will always love you, As the song to play, I'd have been delighted. Muleskinner Blues.
1: Muleskinner Blues is a song I will put on if I'm feeling quite low or I need, how will I say this, some kind of organic injection of pure, unadulterated joy. I will throw on Dolly Parton's Mule Skinner Blues and to my mind this is her I know of course we know the big ones like Islands in the Stream and Jolene and all this but Mule Skinner Blues I think in the couple of minutes that it's on encapsulates the absolute magnetic brilliance of Let's Dolly Parton her Martin. Well good morning Magnificent. She is truly one of the greatest, if not up there, top three of all time. And that, for me, if anyone hasn't heard it, put it on right away as soon as this is over. Mule Skinner Blues. And there you were bopping and hopping around. I saw you. On my mythical horse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, your best kick ever. God, you've REM again. I know, I, listen, I just threw it in as a joke. No, the no. Olympia in 2007. I saw REM I was the four... It. 1990, sorry, 1988. Oh my goodness, where was in that? In the RDS, indoor in the RDS. Were they
1: supporting someone? Or no, no, there, no, they oh were no. the main
0: act. No, 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 there was, they, were, they were getting big at that yeah, stage, yeah, but yeah. I remember it was Sweet a divine. Michael Stipe's performance, the energy of the yeah, man on yeah. stage. You just was can't take your eyes off him.
1: Extraordinary. Yeah. His body movement. Yeah. He gets completely lost in the performance. That was what happened in the Olympia. We won't talk about it too much because I know it's been mentioned before, but uh this is a, a rehearsal tour for the new album, the reveal that was coming up and they just you know, he loves Dublin. And I remember him looking at the lyrics to a lot of the songs like End of the world as we know it, which has about 12,000 words, obviously, but it was just one of those moments. But for me, more recently, and I think this is a gig that you were at.
0: I no, I missed it. And oh, I just, sorry. Uh, all i sorry. And friends of mine afterwards sorry. said they were astonished that I wasn't there with them. Yeah. I don't know what went wrong, why I didn't organise being at the Three Arena in June 2017
1: yeah. to see. Radiohead.
0: I, you know, I regret I, this. I had seen them previously, again in the RDS, but it was outdoor in the RDS yeah. back in 1997, I think it
1: was. Yeah, they hadn't played Ireland in nine years at this stage. They were set to play Electric Picnic later, that year in 2017. And this is another one that was near misses, Matt. Uh, I had tickets once for Leonard Cohen in Kilmainham, and I handed them over to a friend for reasons. I, You know, to this day, it caused me almost to go into... Uh, an ulcer for such stupid reasons so ever since then any opportunity like this I've just grabbed it with both hands and I went and it to this day is up there but one of the greatest gigs I've ever seen in my absolute life I think you know what happened was they just came out on stage they were in fine form fine voice the the five of them at that stage and the Greenwoods Philip Selway obviously uh, and obviously Tom York um, and just again very similar to what you spoke about there with Michael Stipe when Tom York's in full flow You just cannot take, not just your ears, but your eyes off him. The command he has of that stage and the crowd and the songs and the set list. I think it's about, I have it here in front of me. It's about mm, 24, 25 songs. They started off with Daydreaming and finished with How to Disappear. Completely fake plastic trees was in there. You know, play video, you know, Desert Island Disc is in there, no surprises. So they went through the entire catalogue. You know, and he even mentioned, I remember he mentioned the Liffey in one of the songs. He just threw in a, a reference to the Liffey and the place went wild. A
0: friend of mine who's at it described it as a near religious experience. Yeah, it really was,
1: yeah. And I'm not that way inclined with gigs. You know, I go, I'm here to hear songs, enjoy the crack. I wouldn't be that kind of tuned in to the cosmos or I wouldn't think of it in a very spiritual way. But it has happened to me uh, a few times and that was definitely one of them, yeah. It we was actually astonishing, have. You don't. Know, A little bit. You might hear me sobbing in this, then, because this
0: is from a YouTube video made by somebody who was there. (laughs) So the quality is not perfect, but it's not bad. You get the idea. And this is the wonderful fake plastic trees.
1: teeth that I missed. It. I know, and I'm just kind of holding back the tears again what are you doing to me but so I think I said EP earlier it was actually Glastonbury that they were preparing for that again though was one of those moments and a moment in a live performance I will never ever forget
0: We need to take a break here on the Culture Club it's Ed Smith from the Recorded History podcast who's with us we'll be back more with the Culture Club here on The Last Word in Today FM after we've had the traffic Welcome back Ed Smith is with us a voice that's so familiar to listeners of Today FM but also who has his podcast Recorded History with Smith these days. So, let's mm, move away from the music for yes. a little bit and let's talk movies. Uh, and what have you gone for?
1: Well, the R.E.M. tour... No, I'm joking.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. yeah, concert movie uh, yeah, from yeah, R.E.M. Right, I, okay. I think you find
1: their early 1978. Uh, no, so, I was going to go Goodfellas with this because I think it's the greatest film of all time. But that's, but not, why didn't you? But that's not what the question is. And this is what's something I would get through in the recorded history. It's not the greatest albums in your life, it's the ones that kind of if you're honest, you'll watch. So this is a film, anytime it's on, I, I will say the same about Jaws, there's about five of these, that no matter what stage it is on the television, when I flick it on, I will watch it to the end. To my mind, it is a perfect film. It is Groundhog Day from 1993. For sure, I haven't just seen it before. There there it is. sure. There. Yeah, so, you know, this, (laughs) sorry, Sorry. no, don't apply, you can keep that in, (laughs) keep that in. Uh, So look, Groundhog Day 1993, Bill Murray obviously plays Phil Connors, a very cynical, how would we say, uh, sour and dour weatherman, goes to Poxitawney for Pennsylvania because the Groundhog comes out and it still happens in real life to this day. If there's a shadow, cast a shadow, they, you know, there's going to be more snow or rain, whatever the that nonsense. That's all by the by. But what happens here is... What do you mean, uh, nonsense? What, oh, of course, sorry, mind, sorry, science. Mind. I forgot about... It. I'm, I'm a science denier. So, Phil Connors gets himself into a situation. It's a Dickensian kind of, you know, Christmas carol story where if anyone who hasn't seen it, the day keeps repeating for him. He wakes up to the strains of I got you, Bay from Sonny and Cher, sure, smacks down the clock alarm and he starts off his day again. And the genus of... Harold Rames' direction here is that although the premises, if you were to sit down and go, look, we're doing the same thing again and again and again. It's going to be the same characters. He's going to walk through the same rooms, engage with the same people. How are we going to make this entertaining? And it does. It is absolutely flawless. Bill Murray at his absolute best. Even Andy McDowell's acting or lack thereof cannot take away from what I think is, as I've said before, one of the most perfectly formed, scripted Acted and created films of that generation, or or, or of any. Okay. it's it's wonderful life, you know, that's, for a modern generation. Let's hear a clip from it. Oh.
2: Phil, hey Phil, Phil Phil Connors, Phil Connors. I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned <laughs> Ryerson. Needle nose, Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy, case western high. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson, got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again! Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well? Ned Ryerson? Bing! 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 (laughs) So did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned? No, Phil, I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Ned, I would love to stand here and talk with you. But I'm not going to see Hey, that's all right I'll walk with you You know, whenever I see an opportunity now I charge it like a bull Ned the bull, that's me now You know, I got friends of mine Who live and die by the actuarial tables And I say, hey It's all one big crapshoot, anywho Tell me, have you ever heard of single premium life? Because I think that really could be the ticket for you Oh, God It is so good to see you Uh, What are you doing for dinner? Something else It's been great seeing you, Needlehead. Take care. (laughs) Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy.
1: (laughs) I almost knew that word for word. Yes, so there it is. uh, The perfect example of what Groundhog Day is all about and why it is, to my mind, one of the most perfect films of all time.
0: Favorite play or musical or theatre show?
1: Uh, Here's full disclosure and full honesty, Matt, Matt, I don't like theatre. I just... You're far from the first person who said that. Yeah, so, is that okay? Yeah, Yeah. I just cannot, nor have I ever been able to get on with theatre at all. I've been to so many plays, and um, a very good friend of mine, thankfully it's a joke between us, but she's very high up in the abbey, and she's brought me to some very important stuff, and I am sitting there going, "Mm." Mm. all I'm seeing and hearing is the overacting. I see the lad on the side of the stage. I'm I'm so self-aware that I just cannot. But there has been exceptions and I think something I experienced recently maybe would listen My Fair Lady is one of my is, is my favourite musical if it ever comes on television but uh, I was at the Abbey recently for a performance uh, by Dam- Damien Dempsey and I don't know how do you even come describe this but it's Welcome to Holy Well Tales sorry Tales from the Holy Well it tells the story of Damien Dempsey's life from beginning to present all done through his monologue He's almost like a stand-up show, interspersed with him singing some of his greatest songs, uh, and it was, and to this day, is the, the most powerful experience I've ever had in a theater. Apart from the fact of, uh, when I saw the bill of what I was charged at the bar for the gin and tonic, but the the experience I had. Now I'm a I'm a big Damien Dempsey fan, so I didn't know what to expect. I was like Damien Dempsey in a theater. This something I loved uh, teaming up with something I just can't be getting on with. But he does and I'm hoping he's gonna bring it back. For anyone who's seen okay. this uh will, will recognize when i talk. Directed by the great Conor McPherson. Uh stunning. Just stunning.
0: You I appreciate that I'm conscious of the clock. Sorry, yes. I'm gonna jump on to television. I'll come back to books in a little while. Yeah. Um, as a youngster Cheers. Cheers the son of a publican growing up in a yeah, pub. Yeah. So, I imagine uh, the pub uh, in Mill Street uh, was nothing like Boston.
1: Well you know what? There was a lot of similarities, funnily enough, because you know, a pub in the country or a city is a refuge for so many and then to my mind, Cheers not just the greatest comedy of all time, but I think one of the greatest television shows in general of all time, ran for 11 years from 82 to 93. And even from the opening, we all know the signature tune, you know, it kind of welcomes you in and gives you that sense of familiarity. But it does belie some of the sharpest, most intelligent comedy writing I've ever seen or heard. You know, the Charles Brothers here, James Burroughs producing, and the cast of characters from Sam, Diane, Cliff, you know, Norm, Carla you know you know they're all in, in their own rights so and of course we did have a spin-off with Fraser he joined in season 6 but each are so perfectly well and distinctly drawn that each could have had their own show
0: I believe you know nearly all the norm lines no all the norm lines some of but my can, f- can I can I throw them at you and just see how yeah, good yeah, you are at okay, responding go on, go
1: on, to yeah. them can I draw you a beer norm uh, no I know what they look like just pour me one how does a beer sound norm <laughs> I don't know I usually finish them before they get a word in what's shaking norm all four cheeks and a couple of chins. What will it Oh, which is this one now? Oh, the usual, Coach. I'll have a, tr- a froth of beer and a snorkel. <laughs> uh, look, stop. You know, again, when you. What the thing about Cheers is the power and the strength of it is that it is a cast of characters that are lonely and have broken lives or sadness, and they all come together. They are their own family, and I think for the eleven years of absolute perfection, it has, It still holds up to this day. Uh, the writing is absolutely sparkling, and I watch it on the regular as you may have just picked up on. But we don't have a clip, do we need a clip when you were delivering on oh, yeah, the norm yeah, lines like it, yeah, that? You know? You know. So
0: anyway, more recent, you are just a big Alan Partridge. But, well, you fan. know, you
1: might have seen from that uh, mastermind quiz that I the victory from which I was robbed by uh, it's fair to say. I But Pamela Joyce set Pamela it all George. up for herself it, for all, that, both yeah, oh, listen, of us. There's going to be an inquiry. We're she get, wouldn't entertain the inquiry. but she had the fix who's in, that the, was it. The Oireachtas Committee has yeah. lined up for next week for that one. But uh, Anna Partridge has been a big part of my, uh, I suppose, comedy TV life since 1994. And the day today. Uh, Not the, the day to day, Chris Morris. The Chris Morris. Uh, I've even just been watching clips of that recently. Stunning television. So all this
0: stuff just stands up so day. well. And I think Near it 30 years old. I on. think to this
1: day, Chris Morris is... Useless in a way that it's gone to a point where even he can't. He was predicting all of this, what, 20 odd years ago, but the arrival of Alan Partridge as this. That's right, Armando
0: Iannucci as well, very involved in it, and Alan Partridge before going on to brilliant movies. Some great writers, of course. The Death of Stalin and Veep as
1: well. The plans aligned for three the great, or a couple of the great comedy writers of British comedy of all time, but from my mind, Steve Coogan's Alan Partridge. Is the greatest comedy creation uh, because you know as he's been able to evolve what Coogan's done with Alan Partridge since even more recently with the kind of pastiche on the one show brilliantly adapted him to. I'm, with- I'm glad you mentioned that because you know that gives us an excuse to
0: play.
3: Is it Brennan?
1: It's a little is bit
0: of Martin it, Brennan. Brennan
1: bring yes. Him on, bring him on. Okay. And uh, how
2: long have you been an Alan impersonator?
3: Since a week Thursday. Since a week Thursday. My cousin said, "Matt, you look like the fella off the TV. Show me on the computer." I said, who the hell is that? He said, it's... Um, yeah, Alan. Alan Partridge. I said, who the hell is that? He said, he's a famous fella, used to be on the TV way back. I had never heard of you. I said, who the hell is that? <laughs> he keeps saying that. I never heard... I didn't know who you were. My, my cousin said, you'd be as well being a bat and Brennan impersonator in Sligo. Nah, because I'm never going to go there. You'll be welcome on the farm. As long as you roll your sleeves up, get your hands dirty. Uh, well,
2: I'm afraid that's all we've got time no, for tonight. we couldn't tonight. let you
3: go with a little song. Well, no. <laughs> thank you anyway, but we've got uh, a great montage of police dogs set to music.
2: We do, indeed, yeah.
3: I love you as I never loved before. You're going to ruin a slow-mo sequence of Since Alsatians I jumping up and biting the arms of dog handlers set to hungry, hungry Like the, the Wolf, the wolf, wolf, wolf by Duran Duran. It's great TV. Come on, lads. Come on. you black and tan, come and fight me like a man Show your White wife how you won medals down in Flanders Tell her how the alley made you run like away From the green and, and lovely lanes of Kelley Armored cars and tanks and guns Came to take away our sons, but every man just signed behind Ah, that was grand, then. Yeah, that mighty, yeah, yeah. double O second bollocks. Oh my God, that was like an advert for the IRA. Who are we going to blame? I don't have a Oh God,
0: sorry.
1: I hope people in Britain found that as funny as we I did. They, I, I don't give a flute. <laughs> uh, if they did or not, Matt. That was for us because obviously comes from from an Irish background, but. Yeah, Martin Brennan. But I think what Kugner has been able to do, you know, he's bringing out another book, his audio book, if I would recommend, his podcast his various shorts that are up on YouTube Mid Morning Matters some of his best work but he is going to be around for as long as Coogan is and I okay. think okay,
0: we are so I'm nearly glad. out of so, time sorry, so I sorry. need a couple of quick answers for you favourite books you've got a pretentious one and a less pretentious one yeah,
1: my pretentious one would be The Fatal Shore uh, the epic history of Australia's founding from 1986 by a uh, very well renowned and now late Australian art critic called Robert Hughes absolutely mind blowing and it really opened me up to kind of getting back into history I would 100% recommend uh, it was very controversial at the time because it kind of gave a very kind of uh, new and fresh and very, I suppose, upsetting view of what happened with the convicts that went to Australia. But if I'm being really honest and true, the book that I have only ever read from beginning to end in one sitting, uh, Star of the Sea, from Mr. Joseph O'Connor.
0: Who of course did the Culture Club last year yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah,
1: I just thought it's absolutely spectacular writing and it gripped me from beginning to end to the point where when I was reading it I didn't realise I was on a nudist beach in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> and your buried treasure clip. Buried treasure clip. Uh, when I was talking to Javon McSweeney for Recorded History there a while ago, one of the artists that she brought to me was an artist called Molly Drake. Uh, Fans of folk will know her son, Nick Drake, who tragically ended his life way too early. But it turns out, when well, they released a documentary called Skin Too Few back in 2000. They discovered that his mother had been recording songs herself with her husband in their house on a kind of like a, a rudimentary 10 or 12 track. And the songs that emerged from that are absolutely mind-blowing. So beautiful, so delicate. And this from her is, uh, I remember, from Molly Drake.
3: We tramped the open moorland in the rainy April
2: weather And came upon the little inn that we had found together The landlord gave
0: us toast and tea and stopped to share a joke
3: And I remember firelight, I remember firelight, I remember firelight And you remember
0: smoke
3: We ran about the meadow grass with all the hairbells bending. Shaking in the sky. That is so
0: lovely, Molly storm. Drake. I remember, but unfortunately I'm out of time. Ed Smith, thank you so much. Marsh, thank you so Recorded much. Recorded History with Ed Smith is the podcast you must hear. Fantastic guests, great stories, and great musical choices on it. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays
2: from 4 30. Today is